everyone welcome to a new episode of the 28.4 fm podcast uh, where we as young people talk to you about what's been up i'm rishika and today i'm joined by abhishek and what we're going to be discussing is something that's picked up traction recently it's being discussed in the media somewhat news outlets have been talking about it people have definitely been talking about it um, and that's kind of meta because what we're going to be discussing is the media itself we're going to examine why the media is the way it is what sort of led to it being this way and whether it will continue to be this way and you know abhishek's going to help us break down certain events that have taken place uh, with regards to the media what they really mean for the future of the news we consume and structural reasons uh, about why the media exists the way it does um so before we dive into the main content of this episode abhishek i want to ask you two questions uh the first is where do you get your news from and the second is uh, how often do you consume news so i'm a news junkie and i look at the news like practically almost every day and like way more frequently than just once a day um and you know i have a new rule in my life that i have to read everything and make up my own mind based on uh you know all the different perspectives of of the facts presented so i i pretty much read almost every single uh you know mainstream media source at least in india but also now in the us as you know the us is in the middle of an election campaign and 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 has the same polarized media as uh, india does with the same incentives i think and I don't know if this is an age thing because I don't want to speak for every person in my age bracket and I also don't want to make you feel really old but what <laughs> I found is that most people or most of my friends I know personally I think 95% of our news comes from a digital medium so that might take the shape of applications of news outlets like NDTV the Economist DOI um or digital pdfs of newspapers and i think that's a phenomenon that sort of picked up in quarantine but and i'm sure there's many cool pe- people my age who you know sit down and read the physical newspaper but i don't think that's common place um mostly like you said you know you read the paper page to page i'm not sure if that's something a lot of people my age do we rather just read articles on an application and of course the the second main source on the digital medium is social media so i might follow pages like the new york times or um you know ndtv the wire um uh, yeah. so and i think that does go for most people my age one phenomenon that we sort of you know seen out seen play out in real time like if i were to give a personal example is when i was younger i would sit with my parents and we'd watch the news on tv in our living room but now it's usually my mom and dad who watch it because uh i can't stand it and i don't know if you know if it's specific channels but uh i cannot take the noise and not just noise in the literal sense but also in terms of what's being reported and how it's being reported and uh, i kind of want you to elaborate on that for me but even tv news has become obsolete for most people my age i think if i ask my friend circle which you know i mean it's not the most representative sample but um it's fair to say that people are very disillusioned or slowly getting disillusioned by what's being reported on television media especially when it comes to younger audiences 
Yeah, so if I were an executive of a news media channel, I would definitely be very concerned after listening to that because India is, as the theme of our podcast, very clearly highlights an extremely young country. So if you have your demographic tuning out of the news uh, of the news channels and and not reading newspapers, I think that bodes very poorly for the future of media and its viability in the country. Um, you know, I completely agree with you. I'm a little older than you, but I share your I share your tendency to look to social media to get my news, uh, albeit with more sort of news sources where I independently actively try to look up information. But yeah, I mean, the thing with the news media is there's been a downward spiral and it's happened over the course of the last 10 or 15 years um and 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 then there are certain structural reasons behind it which we can go into or rather we will go into but uh, let me let me turn that question back to you then so is is sort of facebook and twitter your main source of news as of now or do you do anything else outside of that to get out of your bubble or or your news feed um i would say twitter Facebook, uh, it, it's a fairly, you know, it's it's a popular platform. I know other people my age use it. I personally don't, but yeah. uh, with Twitter, I, I recognize that it's a social platform first and a news platform second. So a lot of the people I follow are people who align with my political beliefs. So although right. it is a source of like a great deal of new information, it's sort of information in the same circle that's confirmed by the same circle, um, which is right. why I've made Instagram this space where... Uh, my home feed is 50 to 70 percent news so uh, I actively follow pages that report both on the left and the right uh, and also on the center both India and internationally Uh, you know so it's like the Hindu and also the Times and um, sometimes Fox and CNN Uh, so uh, I guess that would be my source of direct social media news but of course you know news isn't just headlines and articles it's also anecdotes and stuff like that so uh, like you said independent agencies and uh, you know independent people themselves reporting from the ground level from a very uh, direct perspective I think that's definitely something that um, I don't consume as much as the headline side of it but I do want to consume more because you know they they are they're very few and far between so I would say Instagram is my main source of news news and Twitter is more the social side of it Okay, let's let's come back to that. But we have to talk about the news media because, you know, regardless of what you and I do, it's still a major source of news distribution in the country. Um, you know, I, and, and I think our listeners will find that we'll talk a little bit more about the English news media. I just want to caveat that the English news media consumption makes up just under 1% of the total news consumption in India. So, the real uh, the real sources of news on TV are the vernacular channels and the Hindi news channels where you know the the where they get the most amount of viewership. But so what we need to understand is that there's such a big disconnect between what you see on primetime television on most news channels, and this is the English sensationalist news channels, and what is happening in the country. To the extent where if you're visiting India for the first time and you know nothing about what's happening in the world, uh, you're you're just kind of, you know, thinking that a particular Bollywood person's suicide is the biggest news story in the country 
and a particular actress's uh, attempt to gain political fame is the most important issue worth coverage uh and 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 and, and stuff like that and and I'm just it's just bizarre that this is the situation of the news media from uh, in in our country and it's it's a little scary too because yeah. that means that there are plenty of things that are going wrong right now and are just not getting any mileage on primetime news and 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 it, i don't know like do you have do you have any anything to add to that um okay yeah so i don't know if this is like the most concise way to put it but i always think if say aliens were to visit the planet right and the only way they could recognize what's going on in the world is through news channels uh i feel they would imagine a completely different vision of what i guess specifically our country is like um right. and you you put it very well it's the, the focus on issues is extremely skewed and uh, all of these prime time channels have a massive disconnect with what's going on at the local level what's going on with the public but I don't know there's there's sort of a cognitive dissonance don't you think it's like we know that india's population is in no way getting reflected by what's being covered on screen but what else do we do like what do we do about it why is it happening in the first place and yeah it's just there's this massive gap in between sort of the public's interests and uh, the news channels coverage and uh, if if that makes sense So I want to answer the why part why part a little bit right now. There are there are structural reasons for this. You know, I don't want to get into the cultural reasons because there are many and that's a whole separate conversation. But one of the economic reasons behind what you're seeing on the news today is the business model of these news channels. So about 15 years ago in 2004 I believe the the telecom the telecom regulatory authority of India TRAI uh basically issued a new set of regulations that capped subscription prices for news channels and it was a well intended policy because there was a lot of sort of uh, non transparency in how these channels were being priced and distributed uh to the people so they wanted to make sure that they were accessible to everyone okay but the 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 byproduct of that policy is that news channels could no longer depend on d- depend on subscription revenue from their viewers to sort of uh, cover their production costs so what they had to do is they had to develop this parallel model dependent on advertising so the moment you become so reliant on advertising and just to give everyone context 70% of our uh, news channels revenue comes from advertising today So if you're so dependent on advertising then advertising dollars are a product of getting the most amount of viewers and once you're chasing the number of views uh you know it's a race to the bottom and like and that's why you're seeing this kind of uh you know frankly unethical uh ridiculous insane coverage of sensitive issues like mental health and suicide in in this manner it's it's at the it's it's just completely driven by flawed economic incentives um yeah you know the the 70% statistic is really interesting i i guess if you aren't being funded by the people you have no incentive to serve the people exactly uh, you know uh, some something that's really been brought up recently is how the media is supposed to be the fourth pillar of democracy but if the pillar is not standing on the base of public franchise why would it have the incentive to serve the public franchise 
Um, and this does put things into perspective because we can't really blame news producers and news channels for wanting to earn money. It's their job. But like you said, the economic model in itself is flawed. So it's interesting to me that there's reserved interests in something that's supposed to be this public and transparent and accessible medium that uh, frankly helps people in a very direct way. Yeah, so it's all of that. And and the other thing that this incentive of depending on advertising does is, you know, there's a lot of cheating going on in terms of how they measure viewership. And and that's that's where we get into the BARC scandal, which was which is, you know, recently been uncovered by the Mumbai police. But essentially, BARC is an industry body and they have come up with a reliable and objective measure of how how much television uh, people across uh, social demographics are watching in particular to sort of estimate how much uh, how many minutes of a particular tv channel they end up watching and the way they do that is they create a representative sample of the country i believe it's you know 50000 families or households across the country and they put sort of some kind of measuring mechanism in those tvs to track what they're watching so what they've uncovered now is allegedly some some sort of distribution agents uh, working for the BARC in that last mile connectivity to the sample households were rigging the system so that you know certain news channels were uh, disproportionately showed as being more TRP heavy as compared to others. Uh, just to clarify, so TRP, you know, what does it really stand for? And so these minutes directly translate into revenue for the news channels, right? They do translate into revenue. So TRP is basically like a measure of how many uh, hits your TV program is getting. Um, okay, makes sense. Yeah. So think of it like rigging your exams so that you get the highest grades. And hmm. advertisers are looking at those grades to decide where they want to spend their advertising money. And... The more you rig the grades, the higher your TRPs or grades are, and the more advertisers will spend on your channel versus a competitor. So if the whole BARC system falls apart, then honestly, the whole advertising model is probably rewarding incentives that may not reflect the viewership preferences of the country. That's why this is such a big sort of uh, scandal. I mean, it feels intuitive. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me being a cynic, but one part of me is like, of course, this is happening. Uh, it's, it's a self-serving cycle. Advertisers invest in you. You want to consolidate that investment. So you, uh, you know, produce content that sort of favors them as opposed to the people and it keeps on happening. Right. But at the same time, it's also surprising. Uh, like, how were they able to get away with this for so long? Um and, you know, what's happened to the news, it's happened right in front of our eyes. We've seen it play out in real time. The The shift was very evident. So it's interesting that you said that this is a gradual problem because the the, the law came into place back in 2004. Um, do you think that this is sort of going to act like a wake-up call or motivate politicians or other actors to pick up their pace and do something about it? Like, what do you think the consequences of this scandal are? So the one consequence that I'm actually worried about is that there will be hand-wringing by these news channels to get the government involved. And I don't want to go down that slippery slope of having the government decide on appropriate content and how it's measured on television 
uh, in a country like India, where there's anyway so much, you know, to put it mildly, so much stress in our system of democracy at this point of time, where if you have the government involved in even this, and, and they are in other ways, like make no mistake, government is not completely blameless in this situation. Uh, they are involved in other ways, but to have them directly regulating television news content is a slippery slope I don't want to sign on to. So that's what I'm worried about. What I'm ho- what I'm hopeful for, and we can get to that later, but I don't know, does that make sense? Government censorship in a country like India is just going to be disastrous. Um, I agree with you. And so I don't know how much of a stake this particular issue has in the larger problem. But I'm thinking, so maybe it's true that younger people, uh, they're not really watching a lot of news on the TV. But older people definitely are. My relatives, my parents, my friends' parents, for all of them, their main source of information, maybe after the newspaper is TV. And the thing is, uh, they vote. Like, I can't vote yet. So that sort of means that if the government does end up controlling the narrative of what these people are watching and what information they're being fed, uh, like you said, it does get very dangerous. And that's bipartisan, like regardless of whichever government is controlling the narrative, it's ultimately to reserve their powers and it can dilute very easily into misinformation and sensationalization and provoking violence. And we have seen the worst of it play out. So, yeah, I think what you express is a very credible fear. So where where does the hope come from? I guess the hope comes from, you know, some kind of credibility restored to the BARC system. You know, we're using that as a measure of who's doing well in the news media business. And by well, I don't mean covering the news. Unfortunately, I mean, who's being watched the most. So if there's some credibility restored to that system and we find out that actually people are really tuning out of the news channels and and perhaps going to those few channels, of, and there are a few that are that are actively trying to cover the news, then then that means that advertisers will have to reevaluate who they're rewarding, um, and and I think that our best hope for that is some kind of you know self regulation within the industry, and and I guess the issue is that they're just not accountable to anyone but themselves at this point of time, and uh, you know maybe if there is a better system of measuring who's watching what, and if that system is. Uh, independently audited periodically to make sure that it's that that the integrity hasn't been compromised. Then I think that uh, a lot of advertisers will be able to base their decisions on 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 credible information because people are not watching this this stuff and people are watching it. But in the demographic of eighteen to thirty five, I think there has been a drastic reduction, uh, which is not being fully captured in these BARC metrics. Um, and I think it's definitely what mentioning that what you are talking about has been taking shape. A lot of advertisers did pull out of certain channels because of the content or, you know, because of the scam uh, that recently took place. And of course, channels are also being sued by the people they were sort of attacking. So it's, uh, they are not accountable to anyone but themselves, but there have been repercussions. And I wonder if that sort of is like a source of hope. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that the 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 actions taken by the people who were slandered by the news media and they were slandered will hopefully promote some kind of introspection within these news channels. Uh, that alone would not do it. But I think that, you know, uh, once it starts hitting your bottom line, then it's very hard to ignore 
the reality of what you're doing. So let's hope that a combination of these two forces like promote some kind of change within the media. But then I want to go back to the other sources of news that you mentioned, because it seems like at some point of time, not very long ago, these, these news channels and indeed newspapers in print form uh, had a monopoly on distribution of content. That monopoly has been removed, let's say, over the last 10 years with the democratization of the internet and with its spread amongst the people of India. So at this point, anyone in the country with, with, with a cell phone can basically become a journalist and set up a YouTube account and start talking about the news. And that is a good thing for many reasons because it puts constant pressure on the news media to evaluate its practices. And it also makes sure that news stories can't be hidden. The worry there is that they don't have the same resources as these news channels to actually vet the information they're putting out. And, and, and Yeah, you know, because they're funded by themselves, so they don't have any corporate donors or big industry influence. Precisely, and, they're, and, and that's assuming they're acting in good faith. Some of them have dubious relationships with the truth independent of their desire to, uh, you know, be truthful. And some of them are just actively malicious or, you know, actively trying to propagate falsehoods on, on social media. Uh, and, and to be quite honest, it's a trend that I've seen on the right. It's a trend I've seen on the left. It's pretty bipartisan in that sense. I, I agree wholeheartedly. So, 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 yeah, it's great that we have these independent news sources coming up, but they're not a perfect substitute for... Um, for for news distribution through television or through through print. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, true, honest media matters so much more than we may give it credit for because it's not just telling us what's happening, but it's largely shaping the course of action both citizens and the representatives take, um, corporations take, employers and employees take. Um, you know, it's it's a force in of itself. We can't discount the impact the media has on the public and on policy. Uh, I guess what we've seen most recently is what could be a very healthy and extensive conversation about mental health, especially in men, especially with regards to addiction and drug abuse, has been turned into a sort of Bollywood gossip uh thing and uh, it was so disappointing because we had the chance to have a very real conversation because what the media does is that you watch it at home and the conversation starts at home and then it, and then it becomes a structural systemic thing and that just didn't happen it, it, it turned into something uh, like you said which is pretty ridiculous so uh, though independent channels cannot be a perfect substitute because of their limited reach and all the all the shortcomings you just mentioned they definitely deserve a lot more in uh, attention because some of them are genuinely trying to get good good work out there you know very fact based not based on sensationalization yeah i mean i completely agree i think that the sources i mentioned before i think the print is doing a really good job fai d'souza is doing a really good job uh you know there are there are plenty of others out there and i don't want to list them all as if i'm endorsing them but a lot of them, you know, begin their YouTube videos by saying, if you want good journalism, then please pay for it. And I completely endorse that view. I think that as consumers of the news, we have to reward good practices. And um, 
uh, right now we don't have a say in what we're getting to see on television because it's just thrown at us and we watch it anyway but perhaps we can sort of you know find a way to support people who are actually doing good work you know independent of television and by the way there are good people on both sides of the political spectrum so i'm not making a a, a sort of an endorsement of you know left leaning anti government uh, sources yeah definitely support either side just support independent journalists in general i think is that 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 would be my sort of individual recommendation for people who are very concerned about what they see when they open the prime time news channels at 9 pm yeah i think you've put that very well uh, you know news is supposed to be a conversation it's supposed to be influenced by what the public wants to see and it's supposed to be informative and true and helpful and nuanced and what we're seeing is sort of that being dissolved but it does eventually come down to the consumer as well because that is who advertisers cater to so i guess when we as consumers realize that we have the right to good content uh, you know it's it's up to us to exercise that right and explore channels and sources that benefit that not only do we have the right to it but we have the ability to influence it so i think consumer decisions to uh can indeed influence the content quality that we consume so on that note let's go into our segment of media recommendations uh, or or tv show recommendations and film recommendations uh, what have you been watching rishika re- lately you go first i think i have to narrow down my options because i have a lot in mind sounds good so the media recommendation that i have for this episode is actually correlated to the theme that we discussed in the episode itself and that's a coincidence i recently watched this tv show called scam 1992 uh it is directed by hansal mehta and has sort of covered the story of a stock market rigging scam of the early 1990s involving a notorious financier called harshan mehta uh it is an extremely well made show because it covers a very complicated uh set of financial uh transactions in a very consumable and entertaining way the the performances are are pretty stellar but the but the one aspect of it that i do want to spotlight is the role of two investigative journalists within uh, you know within that harshad mehta story who have been uh, portrayed in the show also and and there's sucheta dalal and devashish basu so they actually wrote a book on this saga called the scam on which the show is based and they were the ones who who sort of chased the story uncovered it and 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 brought it to light and and to put it mildly when i draw contrast between the work that happened then and now it's like night and day hmm. and it, it, as an indian consumer of news it just made me very proud to see uh you know good journalism in action even if it was on the screen or happened 30 years ago and i and i hope that people who are young and in journalism can draw inspiration from that because when the story came out these two journalists were only in their late 20s or early 30s i forget exactly but very young upcoming journalists uh you know really shaking the trees of powerful people in india and and i encourage all of you to check the show out um that sounds really interesting this has been on my to watch list but i'm definitely going to get to it i think um I don't remember exactly what year it was. I think this was 2018 where Times named journalists as their person of the year, 
because of their commitment to the truth and all the work they do. And that kind of segues into my media recommendation. Uh, my media recommendation is like more broad uh, and it's a magazine, a publication called The Caravan. Uh, I will say it, it is admittedly left-leaning, but uh, if, if you are, if I would suggest checking it out because the work they do is incredible. Uh, another reason why I recommend them is because recently a journalist at the caravan, uh, Ahan Penkar, who was a 24-year-old staffer, he was reporting in North Delhi and was assaulted by the police. And it really raises questions about the nature of free press in India because uh, I personally believe that, you know, and what we've really discussed is that independent news outlets are sort of the future of good reporting unless... Uh, current news outlets don't change their course. So I would suggest checking them out on their socials. You know, a lot of their work is available on their website. And yeah, so I think my broad media recommendation would be The Caravan magazine. And of course, if you can subscribe to the magazine itself, please do so. But uh, I'm also open to recommendations along the same lines from the other side of the political spectrum because it's so important to diversify the kind of news we consume and balance out the opinions that we allow to influence us. So, you know, if, if you do feel we're being biased in this regard, I am always open to new recommendations. All right, Rishka, on that note, that concludes it. Yeah, perfect. Uh, It was great getting to talk about this with you. Uh, Thank you so much to our listeners for listening. Uh, We've been really happy with the progress we've been making in the podcast. And we have some really, really exciting stuff come up. The next month is going to be full of of some really cool content. And I don't want to reveal too much, but... Yeah, it's it's there's some good releases and I can't wait for the world to see them because we sort of, you know, worked on this together and it's nice to see it come to fruition. So uh, please share the episode if you found it interesting. And of course, if you have any suggestions, feel free to write to us. Thank you to our listeners. We hope you stay safe and take care and we'll see you next time. Bye.